Hello and welcome to the Growing Your Peace of Mind podcast. My name is Wing Ming Choi, and in this podcast, I will be discussing general life experiences that we all go through as human beings, what helps us deal with them, and how to grow your peace of mind so that we can all be our best, happiest, and most importantly, our most peaceful selves. Let's go. Hello, hello. Welcome to the sixth episode of my podcast, Growing Your Peace of Mind. Uh, I hope everyone is well. Uh, I'm just looking out of my uh, flat now, and it's nice to have the have the sun out again in the UK. It's been a while. <laughs> um, so it's quite interesting, because I think since the sun's really come out, since it's like, you know, since around you know, mid-February time, I've really taken the opportunity to kind of practice, I think is the right word, being grateful more. And because, you know, I think in life, as Neil said in his first episode, the small pointless things in life, such as being able to buy chocolate, um, being able to make a cup of tea, um, <laughs> even stuff like turning your heating on, you know, having that peace and time to do those small things in life is, you know, such a massive thing for us all as human beings, I think. And I think we should generally be more grateful to be able to do things like that. I've also been reflecting on gratitude in terms of the difficult times I've been through in my life or have been going through in my life. Because, you know, as I've said, as a general theme throughout these podcasts, um, I think going through difficult times gives you the opportunity and that space to kind of grow as a human being, even if it doesn't really feel like it at the time. It does really just give you that kind of opportunity to do that. And I've also realized that sometimes in life, you really just have to go through your emotions, like kind of like ride the wave. Sure, I'm sure there'll be like, you know, resistance to feeling or thinking certain things, certain thoughts and feelings. There'll be frustration if the thoughts and feelings are quite repetitive. There'll even be anger, sadness, you know, if we know that, the, for instance, if we know that the thoughts and the feelings aren't necessarily a reflection of our own reality, you know. But at the end of the day, I think, as human beings, we already need to allow ourselves to feel and think what we need to feel and think, because it allows us to kind of confront our feelings, confront our thoughts, and accept them as that as as those things specifically they are just feelings and they are literally just thoughts at the end of the day so before i introduce my guest on this podcast episode i want to very briefly just talk about friendships um i've been thinking about this quite recently and i might even consider doing a podcast episode on this specifically i want to talk about this idea of approaching friendships and how you really deal with conflict specifically First of all, I think it's actually really important that you're not codependent on your friends, i.e. you don't rely on them for your peace, your happiness. You know, we are all social creatures as human beings, but it's important that we don't kind of rely on our friends. I think TV shows such as Friends and um, such as How I Met Your Mother, they kind of suggest that friends are always available to each other they know everything about each other's lives you know and that's just simply not true everyone's busy even if that busyness is literally doing nothing um everyone has their own lives to live you know and that of course comes with their own challenges that we as their friends don't really know about and it's important i think that you enjoy life on your own in the first instance uh always come back to what neil said in this episode is that it is not the best thing to do to attract someone if you're kind of wallowing in your own misery. I think, secondly, in terms of conflict, communication is really, really important here with your friends when dealing with conflict. But having said that, should a friend not align with your values, align with your boundaries, then it's perhaps a sign that that person is not someone you really should be friends or close friends with. I mean, I have many examples in my life where kind of friends haven't respected how I see and view things. And probably same, same with me as well. I probably haven't done the same with them either. But, you know, there's always instances in life where you kind of have to realize that sometimes that person should not be your friend. For instance, if they make excuses to not see you or they attach conditions to your friendship or they don't see you as a priority, if they only talk about themselves or 
even <laughs> even on a very deep level, if they kind of consider you an acceptable loss, I think that's quite an important thing to think about as well. Because you know maybe then you should really make sure that the person in question doesn't take up any more of your own valuable time. You know because your time is really important. And having said that, I think all, everything I've just said actually kind of probably applies to relationships as well. Actually, um, and one thing I actually don't agree with in when it comes to like friendships and keeping in touch, etc. I don't agree with the concept of like if they don't initiate or message you first, etc. Then it means that you shouldn't be friends with them. I don't agree with that at all. Um, the reason for that is because, as I said, we all have our own busy lives, and there's nothing wrong, in my view, if you're the individual who kind of messages them first more often or makes the plans more often to see them, etc., or see each other. Because maybe, maybe like me, maybe like someone who likes to just plan things because you like you know living life how you want to live your life in your own terms, kind of thing. Maybe you just like planning things, and maybe they know that as well. It doesn't mean that your friend is you know doesn't make the effort for you. It just means that they know that you will contact them and make plans when they're free, when you're free, you know that kind of thing. So overall, I think when it comes to friendships, I think it's important that you make sure your friends respect. Your values and your boundaries, and then I think quite importantly is making sure that you're not. If they don't do that, that you're not staying friends with them out of fear of losing them. So this episode is titled "Dealing with Setbacks." Uh, I'm actually really looking forward to recording this one. Actually, my guest is George Stead, who is a colleague of mine. As a general theme of this podcast, you know we discuss. Going through difficult times that we all have as human beings, how we should go through these difficult times as human beings, how we shouldn't go through difficult times as human beings, and I think the idea of setbacks is almost one hundred percent guaranteed in everyone's lives. Well, maybe ninety nine point nine percent, but you get what I'm trying to say. It's interesting. Some people dismiss setbacks. Some people are really affected by setbacks, and some people kind of accept setbacks as a part and parcel of life and kind of don't really see them. They're quite indifferent to them, you know? I suppose the answer in terms of how we deal with setbacks emotionally is probably resilience. Um, but I'm really interested in seeing how we deal with setbacks in a kind of practical sense. So my guest, who is George Stead, as I said earlier, is absolutely perfect for this podcast episode. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll speak to you all at the end of my recording with George. I am now joined by Mr. George Stead. George, how are you, my good sir? I'm good, Wing. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you, mate. Thank you. Thank you for coming on, mate. I mean, literally, as we're talking, we are just watching somehow Liverpool winning at eleven. 30 shootout final. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. I've literally wasted three hours of my afternoon. I'm not going to get that back. That went on forever. <laughs> I went on for a while. My mate Jake, uh, who actually went to an England game with during the Euros, he was, he's at the game actually. So yeah, fair oh, play. Oh, wow. Yeah, fair play to him. Fair play Solid to him. effort. Yeah. As you say, mate, uh, obviously uh, we've known each other for a very long time. Obviously we haven't really worked together until very recently, but we've known each other for a very long time. And I just remember um, England's Euro 2020 journey, how incredible that journey was. And uh, I think, was it the, how game was it? Was it the Denmark game that I saw you? I was like, yeah, yeah, we had a couple of beers before, didn't we? That was a great game. That went to extra time, didn't it? It did actually. Yeah. Was it 2-1? Yeah, 2-1, the Hurricane penalty missed, but then you That's scored. That's it. Like, 2-1. He scored on the rebound, yeah. And I remember getting in at sort of like 1, 2 a.m. And I left the flat at 5 o'clock to go to this game. <laughs> I've been, <laughs> been out a long time. <laughs> I mean, when did you, um, how did you get tickets to the final, by the way? I forgot to ask that. How did you get tickets to the final? Oh, just um, through the Travel Supporters Club. I was just out for, for dinner with my partner. Yeah. And on the Friday, I think the final was on the Sunday, wasn't it? And we were out for dinner on the Friday. Yeah. And I got an email at eight o'clock saying, George, you've got a ticket in the basket if you want it. <gasps> and I was like, trying to connect to the restaurant's Wi-Fi. I was like, how do I get in? How do I get in? Like, I needed to get it. And um yeah, just managed to put it in my basket and then just paid there and then. And it was one of those things I was like, do you know what? This, this might you know, never happened in my lifetime. So I've got to go. Uh, oh, it was brilliant. But, any regrets? Um, yeah. Any regrets? Now that we lost, any regrets? <laughs> oh, I it was a weird atmosphere at the final, wasn't it? I think with hindsight now, um, yeah, it was kind of embarrassing for English sport. I think like it, it tarnished us. I think our reputation with, uh, you know, those in Europe probably isn't great anyway. And I think that final just sort of 
I don't know. It was the highs and the lows, really. It was so great to get there. And then there was some, you know, unpleasant scenes at the final, which just didn't yeah. need to be there, really. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Hey, do you remember when we, um, when me, you and Andy walked through that, was it the middle turnstile? It was like mi- the middle of Wembley, wasn't it? The turnstile, what you call a turnstile. Um, I, I realised my ticket didn't get activated. No, I don't think mine did either. It was absolutely shocking. Yeah, so I had to run to a steward to ask them how to activate it. And they just said, just double click it. And I had ran all the way down to that ticket office, <laughs> and run back up, to go to, and then when I got back up to my entrance, I think eight out of ten were closed because people were trying to push in. Yeah, yeah it was absolutely horrible, mate. Absolutely horrible. I agree. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on, mate. I remember I spoke to you about this. I think it was um, Andy's leaving. Um, Andy and Martin's leaving, wasn't it? And you said, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll think of something." So I was, I'm really grateful you made your chance to come on, mate. Really oh no, of course. No, anything I can do, I'm uh, yeah, I'm really supportive of it, and uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. Um, and when you said you were sort of doing your own, I was like, "Yeah, great. Anyway, I can help them. Just let me know." So yeah, here I am. So, what was it about the um, the? I told you the subject was about you know life and difficult times in life. What was it that made you think? Oh, I I'd like to come on talk about my kind of experiences. What was it that you thought that you know you'd like to talk about in particular? Or um, I think I think generally I, I I think in the last couple of years we've become more aware of it. Like if mm. you know particularly during the pandemic and things, I think people have become more open about talking about their experiences. And and, and I always take. You know, I always think with these things, and, and when you listen to podcasts, there could be one thing that you say or one thing that you hear from someone else, and it can change something massively for that person. Yeah. So I never sort of underestimate the power of what these things can do. Um, and you know, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, they might say, you know, this might not resonate with you, but there might be someone sitting there who goes, "Wow, everything you've said." It's great, yeah. and it really helps me as a person. And I think that's what's life about. If we can't help each other, particularly with what's going on in the world, you know, we've had COVID and now uh, these things in Ukraine and Russia. Like, mm-hmm. I just think anything we can do to help each other is 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 doable. Like, why yeah. why don't we do it? Um, so yeah, hundred percent, mate. I mean, for me, recording these is also quite therapeutic, such cathartic for me. But in, in, yeah. off the top of my head, just talking to you right now, there's been two things that I've kind of you know that people have said that's just stuck with me. Nothing really like too deep, but it was in the first episode I had Neil, we talked about um, self-worth and self-value and mm-hmm. we went to that relationship and stuff and he went, oh, um, it's important that respect is at the forefront. And that was, that, that really hit me when he said that. It's like the people you speak to, people you interact with, your friends or even colleagues and family, mm-hmm. it's important that you respect each other. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, you're going to judge each other, look down at each other and kind of, you know, be quite negative. Yeah. And also when Georgia in her episode, um, she literally just said, I have felt really lonely in my life. Like mm-hmm. it was that she was so open and honest about saying that. And I thought people do go through horrible times in their lives. You know what I mean? People really do. And they just have, I wouldn't say internalize it, but they perhaps don't vocalize it as much as they should do in my view. Yeah. And I think that discussion needs to be had. I mean, why don't you vocalize it? Because, you know, Georgia saying that she's been really lonely. Someone listening to it might feel really lonely and go, Oh, I'm not alone. Someone else feels how I feel right now, or someone else has felt how I felt. And I think there's great power in sort of sharing those experiences because, you know, we walk around, <laughs> most of us just walk around pretty aimlessly in life, just scrolling through Instagram and looking yeah. at our phones all the time. Yeah. We never really appreciate, like, you could be talking to someone on the tube, in the office, at a pub, at a football match, whatever it is, and you don't really know what's going on mm. um, behind their eyes or how they're feeling or what they're dealing with. Um, and I think the more we can be aware of that, you know, and the more we're going to be aware of it is by having these types of discussions and, and getting podcasts out there and people sharing their their views and experiences, the better. Um, the, you know, there's only there's only benefits to it. Yeah, agreement. That's kind of what that's kind of why I started this podcast, mate. Because I realised that I had kind of learned so much in the last four years, and I really hadn't told anyone or myself really what I've learned. And but then, having said that, I've learned I've learned even more about myself doing this podcast than I have probably in the last four years because just just talking people about their lives and what they go through and you know and Adam said in this episode like there's always light in the end of the tunnel no matter what happens to you you know it's just fantastic and obviously I'm sure you coming on as well I'll learn a lot from you as well mate I'm trying my best I'm trying my best (laughs) yeah mate so obviously um when we had a chat about this uh well in the pub also in the office as well yeah uh, we came up with the idea of dealing with setbacks uh yeah you told me why but obviously I'll let you divulge that but in terms of uh your life what kind of I sent you notes before we started this session. Yeah. And in the question, I actually put what setbacks has George had to deal with in his life? I said had to, because I almost want to kind of give the idea that 
it's not within your control because I think in life, the idea of looking for control is impossible. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, more, the more you try and control aspects of your life, the more uncertain it is because you try and kind of make people or make yourself look at things in a certain way when reality is life is very fluid. So that's mm-hmm. why I said, what setbacks have you had to like deal with in your life, no matter how uh, young or old you were, just generally? Yeah, so I was... Not many people know this, and, and it's it's one that I, you know. When you mentioned the podcast and we mentioned setbacks, I thought, "Wow, it's something I, I don't really talk about." But um, I was chatting earlier to, to Grace, my partner, about it, about how to present this and say that when I was sort of eleven, twelve, um, not wanting to sound like one of those boys, but I had like quite a promising career with football. In that, um, my parents moved a couple of times for their own uh, jobs and careers and things, and wherever we landed up. Um, it tended to be sort of like the local professional club. Um, first, it was in Reading and then Crystal Palace and then Brighton. Um, would be interested in me playing for them and sort of joining their youth system and they'd send a scout and I'd sign up and I'd go and play. Wow. Um, and, you know, at 12, 13, um, I think at the time I was on the books of Brighton when we were living down on the south coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know a boy at that age you're like just obsessed with football aren't you I mean like from the age of six or seven whenever I could s- start playing I-, I just didn't stop and just became obsessed with it and you know it was my passion and it was what I was good at and it was what I wanted to be you know you mm-hmm. ask my most 11, 12, 13 year old boys what do you want to be oh I want to be a footballer or an F1 driver or whatever whatever their interest is Yeah. who was your favourite footballer when you were younger mate uh, Dave, it was David Beckham Oh, yeah. I, played, I played right mid, he played right mid, and he was just like golden, wasn't he, for his generation? So, um, yeah. yeah, and, um, you know, I was playing really well. Everything in life was going well. We just moved uh, house as a family, and I've got a sister who's a few years older, and, you know, we just started new schools and things. And, um, yeah, I was playing for Brighton at the time. Um, and I just, I just developed this, like, severe pain in my right hamstring mm. um, to the point where I used to walk with a limp. Um, and it was almost like I sort of dragged my right foot along the floor. Like, <laughs> it was really quite odd. Um, and it persisted for a couple of weeks. And I think at the time, you know, my parents were just saying, oh, no, it's just a, a football injury, torn your hamstring or whatever it was. But it got to the point where I couldn't really get out of bed. Um, and my leg and back as well, it was sort of my right leg and my back were just in absolute agony all the time. And, you know, at 12, 30, your body's going through lots of things you're dealing with lots of emotions and changes mm. and stuff mm. and then this just started happening and um i had to stop playing football like oh. I, I, I couldn't run i couldn't run my body wouldn't let me run it was just too, like my leg would be too painful it was so tight um that it just caused pain so i had to stop playing football um which was you know putting things in context at that age and at that time that was really difficult for me because yeah. i've just started a new school you're trying to make new friends, you're at a funny age, and football is the one thing that kind of brings or brought me together with friends. And I just had to stop doing it. Um, went through sort of like a series of tests and visiting doctors and stuff, and it wasn't until I actually was referred to Great Ormond Street that they said I had arthritis. Oh, wow. Um, which as a child, when I, I remember, I was like, hey, no, no, children don't get that. Isn't that for like grandma and grandpa? Like, we don't get that. And they're like, no, 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 you've got rheumatoid arthritis. It's really severe. They did some scans and basically the whole of my back and right side of my body was just riddled with this arthritis disease. Um, so having to deal with that, and it's just forced upon you. Mm. You know, everything's going so swimmingly. You're starting a new school. You're making friends. You're doing really well with football. It's the one thing you want to do. Mm. You feel like you can make something out of it. And then that just comes along and it's just sort of like a train and it just whacks you. Mm. And it was horrible. I, I, I just, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm fine to open up about it now, but it was the kind of thing that I just shut the door on for a long time. And, mm. um, you know, just crying in pain. It was just so painful. Um, and at that age as well, you know, it's quite easy for boys to tease one another. I was at an all boys school mm. and I'd get teased for the way I walked because I used to walk with this, you know, weird kind of limp, mm. which people weren't used to seeing. So any sort of like deformity, you know what kids are like, they can be horrible. Yeah. So, you know, some of the older lads I just started at high school uh, would find it hilarious to take the mick or kick you in the back of the leg and all that sort of stuff. And it was just not nice. It was a horrible setback, really horrible setback. Um, and yeah, that, that, that for me was, was one. And I think 
it took me a long time to get better. I had to take some really serious, heavy drugs that used yeah. to make me they used to make me sick. So I'd just mm. be sort of vomiting quite a lot. Um, couldn't play sport. Would be teased about it. Couldn't do the things I wanted to do. Mm. I used to have to go to Great Ormond Street for sort of like three week intense physio courses um, and hydrotherapy and going through these uh, physio sessions and stretches and yeah, the whole thing. Um, and at that age, it's, you're kind of embarrassed. I kind of bullied myself a bit because I was like, this is embarrassing. I don't want to tell people at the age of 13, 14, I've got arthritis because they tend to kind of laugh um, and think it's funny. And you kind of, yeah, I was very harsh on myself, very harsh on myself. And looking back now, I think I could have been so much kinder to myself. Knowing what I know now about life and setbacks and moving on and things. Mm. I was very harsh on myself. Um, so it took a good four or five years for me to go through this really intense process of recovery. Mm -hmm. It affected everything from sort of friendships to schoolwork, sports, obviously, and just development. Um, until I got to about 16 and uh, we went to the hospital one day and they said, we think George could probably run and play football again. Um, oh. And I did. Mm. Um, so that was kind of my one big setback. I mean, I... I, I I think that in itself um, resulted in another setback in that because I started sort of blaming on myself for this mm. um, and putting myself down and saying, oh, it's my fault and, you know, what are we going to do about it, blah, blah, blah. I, I became a bit rebellious in myself and I became a bit of a pain at school. Like I really rebelled. I wasn't interested in learning, you know, because the thing that I did enjoy was sport and I didn't do it. Yeah. So I thought I don't want to do anything else. I had this very narrow mindset at that age where I was like, I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to study. Um, I don't want to apply myself to anything. Mm. I was disruptive at school. I was always in trouble. And some people got it and some people didn't as to why I was like that. And I think there was a lot of explanations yeah. <laughs> from my parents at parents evening saying, like, George is just sort of angry at the world. He's kind of angry at the world because he feels like he's been dealt this hand that you can do nothing about. Mm -hmm. um, so that that first setback you know the arthritis at that age going through that led to another setback in that I neglected all my studies yeah neglected them until I got to sort of GCSE and I started getting a bit better in my in my physical health um and I sort of scraped by I think they said oh you need five agencies to go to college and I was like I don't want to go to college I don't want to do anything you know really quite low yeah because I felt like what I wanted to do had been taken from me by force so I didn't want to do anything else. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and that, that that led to another setback. You know, I got really poor grades at GCSE. I went to college and was still kind of a bit rebellious and felt I was there by force, which I wasn't. Um, and that again led to getting bad grades at AS A level. And I've sort of, you know, this initial setback kind of morphed into punishing myself for years. Yeah. So even when you um, had started playing football again at sixteen, you yeah. were still What's the word? At such a young age, it's probably saying the right word, but aggrieved that it had been taken away from you from that three years. And even though you were back playing football again at whatever level, you still were like, you know, angry. Yeah, it wasn't the same. I, I, I wasn't, I, I, you know, I used to be quite quick. Mm -hmm. um, and all this inflammation, which you get from arthritis, was still in my body. Like, it was still there. It yeah. was just not as prevalent. Mm -hmm. And that affected uh, how hard I could run, how long I could run for, my mm -hmm. stamina, all sorts of things. And... You know, I'd play a game of football and just have to lay on the sofa for the rest of the day because it would just put my body through too much pain. And you're like 16. Yeah. That this is just isn't normal. And everyone else would be like, oh, I'll play football. And then, you know, we'll go on a bike ride after and do this and that. And I couldn't because I just thought that's too much pain for me. Mm. Um, so there was a lot of sort of negative uh, treatment of myself from this setback. Um, so, yeah, that, that was my big one. I mean, I think I've had... Uh, Another one as well in that when I, I finally sort of like pulled myself together and started realizing that I needed to work and get some grades and, you know, try and make a living out of something. Mm -hmm. uh, got to uni and in my final year of uni, like, you know, you, you felt like everything was going swimmingly again. I dealt with this first setback. I was, you know, now sort of mature and able to, to deal with things a bit better and uh, sort of towards my finals. Uh, and at this point, I was engaged in my studies because I found something that I could uh, enjoy and be quite good at as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then in my final year, um, my parents have quite a, quite a nasty divorce. 
um, mm -hmm. when I was doing my final exams. Mm -hmm. And that was just, you know, I think the first setback in the arthritis was physical and had a mental toll. Mm -hmm. And this one, when I was sort of 21, 22, you know, trying to be like a responsible adult or getting to that stage. And then having my parents go through this quite nasty divorce was mentally very tough yeah. because that support network that, you know, it's still there, but it's changed yeah. in that you had to adjust to that change and adjust to there not being that unit and there being this sort of individuality. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, yeah, I've had a, a few things, uh, I think, you know, that have, that have operated as setbacks, you know, neither of which I've chose. I mean, perhaps you could say my lack of studying and kind of disengagement and rebellious when I was like a teenager mm. was through my own choice, but I don't think it was. I was just angry at the world for a long time yeah. um, and had some anger issues, uh, wouldn't do anything in school, forever mm. in trouble. Um, and yeah, it was, just a, it, it was just a different teenage years from what I'd wanted and from what I'd expected. Mm. I think that I think when you're so, when you're so young, mate, like at school, you don't know any better and you don't know any worse. Like I'm yeah. sure for you, football was literally your world, you know. So yeah, I, get, I fully get it. Mate. I get how difficult it must have been. Fully get yeah. it. And I think it's you know, I, sometimes when I talk about it, I feel a bit stupid because you think, ah, oh, you know, but there could be worse things. And I'm like, yeah, you can say that about any possibility. You can yeah. say that about anything, you know. And I think I always talk about this with friends of my uh, as well. And I say, but. You know, yes, there could be worse things, but at that specific moment in time where yeah. you are in your life and what's going on, this is the worst thing. Okay, I can't quite think of anything worse than this right now because it's the thing I'm having to deal with, not you. Yeah. And I think people go, you know, and you hear it now, oh, it could be worse, it could be worse. I'm like, yes, it could be worse, but right now, this is the worst for me because I haven't known anything different. Um, but just so yeah. you know, that, that, is called, um, that is called invalidation. Yes, yeah, 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 that's it, yeah. Yeah, where you kind of invalidate someone's experiences just because you think that they should see the bigger picture, which is 100% not true. As you said, at that moment in time, no matter how old you are, there is nothing, as you said, there is nothing worse than what yeah. you're going through at that time. Correct. 100%. Correct. So, so obviously you, obviously you're younger, settled all that, and then you kind of got yourself into a better place when you were at yeah. university, and then obviously your parents divorced. Obviously that's not something that we discuss uh, in depth in this podcast, but when you look at it now, hmm. how do you think you really dealt with it slash recovered from all of that eventually and did you ever as an as someone who's been mature did you ever doubt yourself did you ever doubt yourself it's like were you like oh when i was younger yeah i get i was younger but now mm -hmm. i'm 20 odd years old this has happened you know i just you know what's going on here did you ever doubt yourself at all um not so much no i wouldn't say i doubted myself i mm -hmm. think i think i learned from the first setback from going through that stuff as a young teenager mm -hmm. I thought that was the worst. That was the end of the world for me. Yeah. So sort of things that came along after that, I could, I could deal with it a lot better. Mm. I could deal with it a lot better. And you hear resilience being thrown around quite a lot these days. Yes. But resilience, like I did become resilient. I did because I thought I've been through this. I've been through something that lasted for years and years and years and was incredibly painful. Mm. And I really hated it. And I was really depressed and really down as a teenager. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've got through that. I can get through this. Um, and I think that's an important lesson that I learned. But I, I didn't I didn't necessarily doubt myself. I think I blamed myself is, okay. is, is what yeah. I was like. I blamed myself for, you know, being unwell when I was younger. And I, yeah, because I was younger, I, I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know what was what was going on and why. And I thought it was my fault. You know, did, did I develop this disease because... I, I I work too hard. I ran too hard. I played too much football. Is it my own mm. creation almost? Mm. Um, so yeah, it was more I sort of blamed rather than doubted. Yeah. So I get that. So funny, mate, I, I, in the intro to this podcast, I actually said, "Oh, is the answer resilience?" <laughs> it's what I said. Yeah. Setback. But I think w when I look at my experiences, um, I think resilience comes from not the fact. So for, if I give an example, if I say to you, "Oh," Uh, a much better person I, than I was uh, over five years ago after mm -hmm. my first ex and she cheated on me and stuff. I'm not saying that, oh, I'm better person and more resilient because of the outcome. I'm saying that I'm a better person and more resilient because I went through that horrible time and didn't 
push it and didn't dismiss it. And mm-hmm. obviously, when, you, when you're younger, obviously, you didn't know that you were, how say, you probably didn't know that you were being hard on yourself. But as you got older, you realized that. So you then realized, oh, I actually went through that tough time and I actually got through it and kind of mm-hmm. dealt with it. So that's what I mean. When, when people say stuff like, oh, resilience, I think a lot of people sometimes think it's the outcome. It's not yes. that. It's more about the fact that you went through that horrible time in your life and you say you didn't doubt yourself, but obviously I, I, I did. Now that kind of like, actually mate, in his first episode, mate, uh, Neil, in the first episode of this podcast, he said that self-worth goes with self-doubt as mm-hmm. in like to have self-worth in yourself, you need self-doubt. And that really helped me actually, I think, having that doubt about myself really helped me propel myself to be a better person. Yeah, and I, Yeah, so I was thinking like in terms of your mindset, do you think going through all that and looking back at it now, the maturity that you have, do you think that it kind of changed your mindset as well a little bit? Definitely, definitely. Um, in that now, I think, you know, and I was talking to my partner about this earlier, about what I was going to say uh, with you today. Mm. And she said, George, you have a very positive outlook, mm. a very positive outlook on things. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for the way out or, you know, it will be okay because we're going to do this or it will be okay because this is going to happen. And I always look at it from a positive mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think that is because, you know, like you say, resilient, you went through a process where every day was a challenge, yes. where every day, you know, there were new obstacles and there were new things that you didn't necessarily want. And you can get through it. You can just get through it. And it's about sort of, I look back on them and I was thinking about this and I wrote in the notes that I'm really grateful for those. I'm really grateful for those setbacks. Mm. I'm so grateful. And I think we should see setbacks as an opportunity. We should change it. It shouldn't be a setback. It's an opportunity for you to prove to yourself what you are and how resilient you are and how you'll come out on the other end and you'll be a better person. You'll be a stronger person. You'll be a more positive person. So I I actually was saying, I was thinking, no, I'm grateful for them because they make me who I am. And if I didn't have those setbacks... Maybe I wouldn't be as positive now. Maybe I'll be quite yeah. flat and negative about things because yeah. I haven't had to deal with something. But when you've dealt with something and you've got through it, you know, like you say, it's the going through it that's the resilience. It's not the outcome. Mm-hmm. But now that you've been through it, you can sit and you can go, okay, this is just temporary. The mm-hmm. pain I'm feeling, the emotions I'm feeling, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling, you know, whatever I'm feeling, it's mm-hmm. temporary because you've been through something before and you know you can get through it again. And that's, that's part of being positive about things. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm still probably a little bit too harsh on myself now where I'm always, <laughs> always looking for a positive for something. And sometimes there isn't. And yeah. then you get frustrated and you go, oh, there's no positive to this. And there should be because I'm a positive person and I want to find something good for this, but I can't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you get cross. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a constant battle. Isn't it? yeah. Okay. But literally what you just said that second ago about um, sometimes you can't find it. In his episode on grief that Antoine did, he literally said, I asked him, how do you know that you'll be okay? And he went to me, sometimes you can't. Yeah. And that hit me when he said that. Went, sometimes you just cannot see it. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what he said. Sometimes, the, sometimes there isn't an answer. Sometimes there isn't a, oh, let's, this happened, it's okay. Sometimes there isn't there. But at the end of the day, eventually you'll get there. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And it really hit, really hit me when you said to me, um, oh, if it wasn't for my experiences... Not just yours, but anyone's. And it, 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 it wasn't for your experiences. You perhaps would not be as positive outlook on life as you are right now. Mm-hmm. And I am literally exactly the same. I think I've told you, I, I won't say in public on the a podcast episode, but I think I've told you what happened with my ex at the same time. Mm-hmm. If I haven't, uh, let me know. But I, going, yeah, through those, yeah. going through those two experiences at the same time somehow has made me even more positive on life. It's, it's so weird, isn't it? It's like that. Yeah. The right word that paradox effect that going through the horrible times in your life will make you even more happier even more peaceful uh, i don't i actually don't get it <laughs> i don't really get it really yeah but i think that's what i think i think we should work on these i see them as opportunities mm. as, as something bad happening is you know and you can get a bit sort of look at the universe and things happen for a reason and that's sort of cliche kind of stuff but you know it, see them as opportunities yeah, and i think you can only see them as opportunities when you've when you've built up a bit of resilience and you've like, oh, I don't quite like this. Oh, I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable. I don't like what's happening. I'm yeah. not, I, I, I'm not choosing this. It's been put on me, mm. but let's see it as an opportunity because I'll come out the other end as I have done before. Yeah. 
like, as you have as you have I like that as you have done before I like yeah. that. I'm running this down mate as you have done <laughs> yeah but I think I think yeah let, let, let's start seeing them as opportunities I, I think that's how I try to because I think put a positive spin on it I think you said uh, earlier it's so hard to say that isn't it at the time it is it is it really is. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm still a victim of it now. I think, you know, I, I sound like I'm saying that, you know, you can put a positive spin on everything. You can't. Sometimes you just think, I don't like this. It's making you feel whatever, you know, however it's making you feel, if that's sad or depressed or upset. And I can't see a positive spin to it. I can't see how I'm going to get through it. But mm. that comes down to patience and, and, and knowing that things are temporary. And I, I've written in the notes that, and I think I said this to you when we were in the office recently and you, you sort of explained to me what was going on. I said, like, when time is like a beautiful healer, like mm. it's so beautiful. If you just let time run its course and don't mm. force, sometimes don't force things. Yeah. yeah. It, great things can happen by just being resilient, you know, getting up every day and just going about your life normally. Yeah. Things can change quite quickly without you really noticing. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I, I think it was actually for me, there was one week in November 2018 where all of a sudden things just changed for me. It's so weird. That one week, I don't know, I can't say, I think I had a week off actually. I don't yeah. know what happened. I just had a week off and just things changed for me. I, I can't explain it. I can't say what happened. Probably a year, probably just over a year after everything had happened, but it just changed me. Just a week. I don't know what it was, mate. Probably just, probably just uh, my body telling me that, you know, it's, it, you're okay now. Probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but sometimes you need to, that, that, that's, you know, perhaps you say, oh, it's because I was having a week off. Mm-hmm. You're perhaps being kinder to yourself. And I think yeah. sometimes, I think, you know, you hear it a lot that, that COVID's taught us to kind of take a step back and just assess each day and yes. actually, you know, realise that, that working and gathering possessions and all these things, just, you know, that's not what life is. Um, and sometimes when you're kind to yourself and you give yourself that bit of time to reflect, mm-hmm. you think, oh, there's some change happening here. It's because I've stopped yeah. and I've slowed down and I've reflected and, you know, you're letting yourself heal. Um, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Example I, I can give is uh, obviously during lockdown, um, I, I'm lucky enough to live where I am now in London. It's, a, it's, not, mm-hmm. a massive, it's not a massive flat. It's a nice uh, cosy flat. And I just realised during COVID how, in the first lockdown, how lucky I was, how lucky that I, yes. don't, I, that I don't have a big house and a big garden. I have my own little space where I can just like meander around and do some stupid dances, mate. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and uh, shout Sue when Ronaldo scores. It's yeah. nice, mate. You realise just how lucky you are to even... Example I gave in the intro, mate, is how lucky you are to even be able to make a cup of tea. How, yeah. lucky, how lucky you are that you even have headphones. Yeah. It's, little, it's little things like that. You just realise how lucky we all are as human beings to also not just go through horrible times in our lives, but also to have the little things in place. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah, gratitude is, is a huge thing. And I think for me, I, I run quite a lot now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes I'm in the office, I go out for a run at lunch. Yeah. Uh, I go try and go sort of like three, four times a week. And that's because I'm grateful I can, because I remember a time when I couldn't. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. I remember a time I couldn't. I remember when I was 13, 14, and everyone was out doing their own thing, and I could barely move because I was in so much pain. And I think now I go out for a run and sometimes I don't take headphones. I don't take my phone and just put my trainers on and I just oh, go wow. and run. Yeah, no, no, just go and run. And there's a nice little route along the river here. And again, I'm you know so lucky that I can do that. And sometimes in the morning, if it's a nice day, just go and run, no headphones and just enjoy it and just like breathe, relax yeah. and just think, I'm so glad I'm doing this. And I always come back and you never regret one. You always come back and go, oh, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. Because that's for me something that, I couldn't do for a long time, and now I can do it. I'm so grateful for it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But in terms of like, uh, I put in bold in the notes. I put here growth versus a fixed mindset. So, mate, have you read um, Matthew Syed's Black Box Thinking? Uh, it rings a bell. Mm. It rings a bell. It basically talks about how um, in life you should have a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset. As in, mm-hmm. when you say fixed, it's right for psychiatry. If you look at life as one way only and that you can't renovate innovate you can't um grow as a person mm-hmm. then you kind of just you're very stuck in your way in your own ways mm-hmm. whereas a growth mindset means that you're able to face failures that's the most important facing failures there's no fear of failure you're allowed to keep going as it is and what we should make what something that he said in this book is interesting is that um the idea of like needing to see failure and how you see failure mm-hmm. and i interpret it as a little bit like 
do you need something to to propel yourself to make yourself happy what i mean by that is like if i give an example that you just gave obviously you said that you're so grateful that you um can run now because you were also when you were younger if for instance for another let's say you got a random injury you know for two months and you couldn't run i think with the maturity you have now mm-hmm. you're not scared of that you're like yeah. oh if i can't run for two months i'll be sad sure but it's not something i need i don't need running i'm mm-hmm. grateful for it i'm not someone who if i injure my hamstring i'm out for two months maybe it comes four months i'm okay with that it's gonna be difficult but i can overcome it so mm-hmm. i kind of this kind of very similar to georgia i basically said about she said how um you don't need to do something or you don't need to exercise you don't need to so do you think now that the maturity you have that you kind of look at life and be like I don't need to do things. I want to do them, but if I can't do them, that's okay. If you get what my question is, if you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's something to be said for just also just being still. Um, mm-hmm. So I sometimes use headspace and sort of just try and sit still and not, not need something, need nothing other than just sitting and just like being with yourself. And yeah. like you say, you know, being in your flat, it's not a five bed house. That's great. I'm happy with it. I'm going to yeah. be here. I don't need that. I need nothing. All I need is to just be right here and just be with it. Um, and I, I completely agree with you. I think I'm very much of the mindset um, of a growth mindset in yeah. that I let things, I, I try and it's hard, but you try and let things come at you and you try and adapt and you try and change and learn. Um, and it comes back to what I was saying about, you know, seeing setbacks and failures as, you know, opportunities. Yeah, they're, they're doors opening. They're not doors closing. Yeah, yeah. I said to Georgia, I said, um, I don't, I don't agree with the mantra that everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. I think it should be everything happens to challenge us, mm-hmm. and it's up to you how you want to face that challenge. If yeah. you want, if you want to become a really, really sad person, but when I say become, I mean literally. Like, I, I'm not going to even try and see life in a different way. As in, like, if you're going to leave it and just be miserable all the time because of what's happened or because of your circumstances then that's it you know it happens mm-hmm. but i think if you face that challenge head on and say i am going to go through that horrible time i am going to keep going mm-hmm. i don't know where it will lead me but i mm-hmm. know eventually i'll be okay and as you said somehow from going through horrible times you become even more positive happy and peaceful as a person but you really need that mindset to say i will face that challenge yeah, and it's hard, it's, it's hard to get that mindset without having one, though, without exactly. having a challenge. And I, yeah, I really like how you've summed that up there in that, you know, everything doesn't happen for a reason. Everything happens to challenge us. And it's how you respond to that um, and, and what you can learn from it. Um, and there's a really great analogy uh, that I've heard a number of times on, on podcasts about mm. there's always blue sky. There's yeah. always blue, blue sky. And sometimes it might be cloudy. But behind the clouds, the sky is still blue. And I always, I always think about that sometimes if you're going yeah. through a bit of a difficult period, you go, yeah. the blue sky's there, you just got to wait for the rain or the clouds to go. And they yeah. will. Eventually, it might take a day, it might take a week, it might take a year. You don't know, but the blue sky is always there. It's just a case of navigating to get there. And I think that's what you say is a, a challenge comes to you, a setback comes to you, a failure comes to you, whatever it is. And if you can respond to it in the correct way, you know, mm-hmm. the blue sky's there. Mm. there's no correct way is it? it's your way isn't it it's your yeah. way yeah absolutely but if you have a chance mate uh, listen to uh, luke shay's episode uh it's number four on, on this podcast uh we, he he does meditation he also uses headspace and yeah uh, he, he introduced me to it yeah we actually, we actually spoke a lot about the blue sky yes yeah that's that's a, a headspace tactic isn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i think that's where i learned it yeah. i think i also like i think i've learned it they recently did a uh, uh, daily one and they actually said i like meditating about the blue sky actually i do it like almost every day but there was a this meditation daily they said the blue sky does not care if it's cloudy or if it's clear mm-hmm. i like that is the idea that it doesn't care it's like mm-hmm. yeah it can be cloudy it can be darker clouds it can be like clouds are everywhere the blue sky is not about the blue sky being there it doesn't care it just doesn't yes. care. Like, it's always there. It just doesn't matter. It, does, it doesn't matter how it is. It's always there. And I really like it's that. not going to move. It's not going to move. It's always going to be there. There just might be obstacles in the way of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, summed up. point. I like that. Yeah. Mate, uh, next question for you is a probably be a very brief one, but um, I mentioned in the notes that have you ever struggled with what if thinking? As in, like, 
you know, I think you've already answered this, mate, because you spoke about it, but no, like, what if I can't run? What if I can't play anymore? What if I can't do this? I, I doubt you do struggle there because we, we talk, just talked about it, but do you ever, like, look at that? For instance, me, like, I've, I've started playing badminton now, mate, and I got hit in the eye. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, no, that January. painful. By, by my own teammate, of all people. So I had to go to A&E the next day just to get it checked out, and thankfully they said it was okay. But I kind of fell into that what-if thinking, like a what-if... Uh, I'm now scared of playing badminton. What if I'm now scared of getting injured? Or what mm. if I'm now scared of, you know, seeing things like that? So mm-hmm. have, you, have you ever struggled with like, that what if thinking in the context of your experiences? I have, but it's, it's just triggered. I was out with a friend yesterday um, who's self-employed and he's very, well, I, I don't want to give too much away because people are like, he doesn't mean to say. But anyway, he's self-employed and he runs a very successful business. He needs to have an operation uh, on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And he he was telling me yesterday that he went to the doctors and he was going, what if I can't work? What if I can't work? I don't get holiday pay. I don't get sick pay. You know, I'm self-employed. If I can't work, I can't make income. I can't pay my mortgage. And then, mm-hmm. you know, my girlfriend's going to break up me. And everything. he was just what-ifing everything. Yeah. And he said he went to the doctors and he was he built up this what-if mentality in himself so much mm-hmm. that he said he was on the brink of a panic attack and he could feel it. And he could oh. feel it. And he said he went to the doctors and the doctor had barely opened his mouth. And the doctor said, you'll need an operation and you're going to need at least two, three weeks. And he, two, three weeks off, four weeks, whatever. Not that long. Mm. And he said he blacked out and had a full-blown panic attack because he oh. what if so much mm. about what was going to happen mm. and what the eventualities would be. And once you start that process, it's very difficult to then stop. Yeah, he was saying, what if I have to have an operation? Well, that means what if I have to have a month off? What if I don't get any income? What if I can't pay my mortgage? What if then, you know, all these things. And I thought, you haven't even got there yet. Yeah. Um, And it it was really interesting when you said that, what if it just got me thinking about what he said about that yesterday. And I, I would say I don't, but I think it's... I don't have that mentality of what if, what if, what if. But it's a constant battle to make sure that you don't. Because yeah. it's very easy to go down that mindset. And I think this is, you know, probably what Luke was saying, where things with meditation help and remembering the blue sky. Yeah. But if you start what ifing, it just sucks you in. And your mind will love that. You're feeding your mind because it can go, what if this, what if that? And it can just build up more and more. Yeah. And it's quite a battle to kind of keep that at bay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. To go, right, I'm not, I'm not going to hyper worry about this because if I do, it's just not good for me. And I think once you once you're aware of that, and once you know that, it obviously can can help a lot. Yeah. I think meditation, mate. I think what helps is that you don't need to believe those thoughts. Well, I mean, like, mm. I know that your friend's going through a horrible time, obviously, all that. But when you meditate and kind of see things a little bit clearer, it's like, it, it, yeah, you don't need to believe that. You, you're not you're not someone who needs to worry about that kind of thing. Yeah. If it, if it does happen, you'll be okay. It yeah. sounds horrible, but you'll be okay. Yeah. Exactly. 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 Yeah, so next question for you, mate. So I've got here, I think we've already answered it. Uh, I've said here, how will George deal with setbacks in the future? Oh, well, I feel like I haven't had one for a while, so I, I, I should probably start preparing because I, feel like it's, <laughs> I feel like it's been a few years. Like, the world owes me one. If, it helps, if I give you a bit of my experience. Go um, on. I had always said to myself after my first text that if it happens again in the future, I'll be okay. Because mm-hmm. uh, my first text cheated on me and I thought, if it happens again, I'll be okay. I, I always had that mentality because I had tried to develop my self-worth, develop my self-value, you know, not, 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 not narcissistically, just like, I just had the understanding of it, you know, I understood that, you know, if it happens to me, I can deal with it. I'll be, it'll be tough, but I'll be okay. And looking at my recent breakup now, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a bit of a weird one. I, I believe that by going through what I've had in the past, that this, this, I call it, it, it is a setback. Um, obviously, because obviously, you're with someone for such a long time and you kind of think that, oh, you, both of you are kind of on the same wavelength and it kind of maybe that wasn't the case. And I just look back and think, I've dealt with it okay. There's, there's no right way of dealing with it, but because of my experiences in the past, I can look at this experience with more compassion, a bit yes. more kindness, a little yeah. bit more understanding as well. I was like, mm-hmm. I, I, I always thought, you know, at the time, my first ex, that what she did was really bad, you know, that she done me was, was horrible. But now I look back, I think it's a horrible thing to do, but it's okay because it sounds it kind of contradicts what I said earlier. But look where you are now. Mm-hmm. Look at how you are as a person now. Look how mm-hmm. 
peaceful and happy you are. Mm-hmm. So this setback that I've gone through recently, also it also probably perhaps probably motivated me to do this podcast, mate. Because I always wanted to do it. I've always wanted to, and now I could. Now I've realised that it's perhaps give me more confidence as well. Doing because doing a podcast mate, isn't easy, mate. It's, it's, it's no, not easy no, no, no. like. Yeah, like uh, kind of get you to talk about your things and kind of not trying to talk too much over you. That kind of thing. It's not easy, mate. But I kind of realized that, yeah, it's okay. Like, whatever you go through in the future and the setbacks, it's so easy to say at the time it would be okay. But no matter what you go through in life, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. You'll always be okay. And this is my view, mate. And I kind of perhaps think it perhaps made me resilient is the right word, but more emotionally secure. I yes. Think, like, my emotions will go up and down, up and down. Yeah. But I'll, I'll, it'll, it'll level out eventually, you know. Yeah. That's that's my example I can give, and kind of like dealing with setbacks in the future from past experiences. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's a few things from that. Is like a, you're doing a great job with the podcast, so <laughs> thank you, mate. Keep it up. You've got like everyone's got to start, and if you've got something inside you that goes, yeah, I want to do this, then you've got to do it, um, and you're doing a great job. And it takes bravery, and it takes a commitment, and and I think that says something about people as a character as well, doesn't it? Um, and I think you said that compassion and I think to answer your question how will I deal with setbacks in the future it's being compassionate to myself Mm. I probably prolonged some of the setbacks because I wasn't compassionate to myself and because I wasn't compassionate to myself you know the one with arthritis where I just kind of bullied myself for a few years Mm. I ended up giving myself further setbacks Mm. because I wasn't compassionate to myself Um, and I think that probably now and I think being focused and trying and trying is very hard, but trying not to be overwhelmed by it. Yeah. And and trying not to worry too much. It's, it's so much easier said than done. Of course it is. Um, and I know that through personal experiences, but sort of taking time, not being overwhelmed, but most of all being compassionate. Um, I, I like a, a, bit, <laughs> a bit of a Winston Churchill, like buff, like yeah. uh, on which all the history documentaries and things and, I've got a book of his that's just got some good quotes um, that are used from time to time. And I think one of the favorites is like, if you're going through hell, keep going. Because why would, why would you stop? Yeah. So just, just, just keep going, little steps, and just be compassionate. Um, I think that's, that's what we have to, to learn to be to ourselves is yeah. through everything that we've all been through as a society, just being compassionate to yourself is just number one. And I think yeah. people are learning that. I think yes. people are setting their own boundaries and yes. they're learning what's right and what's wrong for them. And they're being more alive to, I can be kinder to myself here. Yes. Uh, and when I'm kinder to myself, I can be kinder to other people because I've taken care of number one. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, compassion for dealing with setbacks in the future. Wait, I have two questions for you. Um, yeah. What does, how would you to yourself define compassion? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I, there's something I was reading the other day mm. that you might not know how great you're doing because you're only looking at it through one pair of eyes. Yeah. And that actually there's people, you know, there might be people, there might not be people all around you who think you're doing a tremendous job. Yeah. You think you're really great. But you don't know that because you only look at yourself in your sort of linear, you, you treat yourself in one way. Whereas there's people all around you, you know, whether you see them every day or you speak to them or you just, you know, they might be thinking you're doing a really great job mm. and they might not tell you because they might not feel like they have a relationship with you where they can tell you. But I think that's being compassionate to yourself and knowing that, okay, I might be being a bit hard to myself here, but someone else who I might not know that well, might be going, wow, he's doing such a good job or he's really taking care of himself or he's really dealing with that failure or that setback really well. Mm. And I think it's, it's that it's looking at it from another viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does actually. That kind of throws my next question, mate, but I want to ask you, I'll tell you, um, on Headspace, mate, there is a meditation on, um, kindness and they kind of gave a definition. They said, compassion is, sorry, kindness is about wishing someone was well. Mm-hmm. Compassion and self-compassion is about not wanting the other or yourself to struggle, mm. not wishing they were unhappy. Mm-hmm. And that was, a, that was a definition they give. So basically, like, compassion is about you looking uh, the other person and yourself not 
looking at yourself so negatively that you're struggling. Yes. Yeah, and it kind of flows back to what you said, exactly, mate. Exactly, like, yeah. You, you, in your own eyes or your own perspective, you might not know how great you're doing. You might think, oh, yeah, I'm not doing great because I've done this, I've messed this up, this happened to me, etc. Whereas someone else would look at you and go, you're doing an incredible job. So, like, you, the, the, other, the other person looks at you and goes, why are you suffering? You're doing fine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing, yeah. And they'll go, you're amazing. Like, what? No, I didn't know. No, you're doing a great job. You know, I couldn't tell that you were dealing with that because you, you're, you're dealing with it so well. Exactly. Um, and I, I think, I don't know, I like to think that if, if someone has done a good job or I think someone's looking after themselves, well, I, I might make a comment about it because they might need that comment because they might not be very compassionate to themselves. But when you hear it from someone else, you might change a little bit. Yeah, but even now, even now, mate, like when I work at the firm we're at, when I, uh, when partners, uh, for instance, if they complete on something, I email them saying, well done. I mean, I'm just, I'm just a trainee. It doesn't mean anything necessarily for them. But for me, I think it's important that people are recognized for how well they've done. Yeah. In my view. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, strong believer in that. Yeah. So my second question from that was, um, if you could look at yourself when you were younger, not, not, not necessarily when you were at university and all the setbacks you dealt with then, but when you were younger and you were mm-hmm. dealing with the arthritis, if you looked at yourself mm-hmm. through a TV screen, so you're kind of a bit once removed. <laughs> oh, no. From, <laughs> yes. from that kind of like, uh, no, from once removed from it and looking at yourself as you are now, do you think there'd be anything you would probably say to yourself if you're looking at yourself through a TV screen, looking back now? Yeah, I'd say you're horrible. Why did you treat yourself so badly? Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I, I look back on that now, and as I said, I'm, I'm very grateful for the setbacks. Yeah. Very grateful. Yeah. But because it can allow me now to look back on them and go, you were so horrible to yourself. Yeah. Like, you were so mean to yourself. You didn't, you know, you, you let that completely absorb you. And it was yeah. very difficult, of course it was, but you let it completely absorb you. And, 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 you know, quite rightly, I was too young to be able to comprehend and deal with it. And I had a great support network, but yeah. sometimes if you can't support yourself, then what's the point? Um, and I think, yeah, if I can't, yeah, kind of gets me a bit emotional, a bit upset. If I look back at it now and I go, ah, oh, like I was just so nasty to myself, just mm. bu- bullied myself, um, and just didn't, didn't cope at all. Yeah. That's um, why, I, that's why I did that analogy, mate, on the TV screen, because yeah. you're looking at it a bit more objectively. And, you, and as you said, you were horrible yourself, but you probably look back, look, you look at, look at yourself in the TV screen and go, mate, you'll be okay. Yeah. And I think when you, when you said, like, look at yourself in the TV, I was laughing, thinking, oh, no, I'd be terrible. I'd hate to watch it because I'd be thinking, oh, no, I was so bad to myself. And I just did. I was, you know, showed no compassion. Yeah. Whatsoever. Yeah. And now, now you do. And now, yeah, now, now I'd like to think, you know, your question before was how would you deal with it in the future? And it's being a bit more compassionate about it because I'd look, if you made me watch that, yeah. I'd be going, oh, you know, that, that's not me. Like, who is that? Yeah. He's, he's too nasty on himself. He's not positive. He's so negative yeah. and so overwhelmed by everything and just, yeah, not treating himself well. Yeah. Right, mate. Final question for you before we go off and watch Peaky Blinders. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nearly time. <laughs> Nearly definitely, time. Definitely. Mate, well, so this podcast is called Growing Your Peace of Mind. And uh, I, I explained why, but I think you um, said a second uh, in the ent- intro that... Um, what you, whatever you say to someone might change their life. Mm-hmm. And mine was when Vladimir Klitschko, when his interview with AJ uh, after that he lost the fight, was he was thinking about retiring. And then he thought, do I do it? Do I not? And then when he did it, he went, uh, damn it. It was the right decision because I'm in peace. I'm yes. staying here and I'm totally released. And it was that sentence he said that kind of changed my life. Like I didn't even think about that you will be so much peaceful in your life because of what's happened. And that was going through at the time. So that's for me is why peace of mind and kind of peace is so important to me in my kind of life. But for yourself, mate, you know, in the context of dealing with everything you've dealt with already and the difficult setbacks that you've already had and that you probably will have in the future as well. It's like, what gives you peace of mind and kind of gives you the, well, you said it, the opportunity to say, no matter what I go through in my life, I will be okay. You know, both internally who you are as a human being. Obviously, there might be times in the future where you internally are not the same as you are now just because it's so difficult to deal with. And also, perhaps your ability to deal with setbacks that will come your way. You know, what gives you that kind of peace of mind to say, no matter how I deal with it, it will be... That sounds horrible. Not it will be dealt with, but it will be okay. I think I'd relish it. Mm. I, I, I think I'd almost, you know, obviously depending on what it was, 
but uh, and, and the sort of severity of it or whether I could do something about it, I think I'd look at it and go, I can do it. I, 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 it's the positive outlook that would give me the peace of mind to yeah. know that I could look at it in a way and go, right, yeah, this is crap. I'm not enjoying this. But if I could do this or if this happened or if I just took my time or if I just connected with myself and was compassionate to myself, it might go quicker than I wanted to. And I think it's having that that positive outlook that would give me the peace of mind that if a setback or a failure is on its way, yeah. to look at it and go, hmm, this might not be very nice, but I could do something about it. But also on the other side, it will be even better because I'll learn something about myself. And it goes back to what you were saying is, you know, everything is there to challenge us. I think if, it, if, if they came along, it would be knowing that I could put a positive outlook on it or I could try depending on what it was. And also it would change me as a person in all ways for the better. Yeah. I mean, I've written three words here. Uh, I kind of just kind of sum up what you said. Bring it on. <laughs> yeah, it depends though. It's easy to say that. It's easy to say that until it knocks on your door and you go, I really don't want this. Yeah. And you sort of panic for weeks and like, I don't need this in my life right now. It's, it's tough. It's tough. I say that and then something might happen and I just have to find another way of navigating it. But I guess, you know, I said there, I might find another way of navigating it. That's a bit of resilience. Yeah. In that this might not work, but something else might. Yeah, 100%. That's also, I think, sum up, I think, as you said, like, me going through the experiences that I had with my first ex, it made me kind of look at if and when I go through another breakup again, bring it on. Yeah. Because you, 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 you learn so much from it as a person that when it happens again, if and when it happens again, you will learn so much from it again. And that's exactly right now. I'm kind of still going through that process. And mm-hmm. I do believe that I am learning a lot from myself and learning about even stuff like little things like just boundaries and little things like that, you know? So yeah, I, I agree with you, mate. I think you, know, you can do it, uh, relish it, and that positive outlook, you know, that you'll always develop. And as you said, you might deal with it in a different way. Um, but what, what, just to add on to what you said about positive outlook, mate, I, what I also believe is that you can also have a negative outlook on it. Mm-hmm. You can, but at the end of the day, you will come out the other side. Even how negative you are, how sad you are, as you've been going through it, it will all be okay. Yeah. You can summarize that. 100%. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Right, Mr. Stead, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. That was a pleasure. I enjoyed that. Yeah. I hope, you, I hope you listen back to it, honestly, with your girlfriend and think, yeah, very cathartic for yourself. I hope you <laughs> Yeah, a lot of things you, a lot of things you said, mate. But it must have not. I, I, I'm telling you, it's not easy talking about your life experiences. So you've done really well, mate. Well done. No, it's it's not. But it's a good opportunity. You know, I we've just spent an hour, and I feel quite uplifted now. Well done. So so do I. So, yeah, well done. Yeah, mate. good. All right. Well, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you in a couple of days. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed my, that. My pleasure, mate. And it'll be uh, yeah. So when it, when it, I'll let you know when it comes when it's uh, been published. And yeah, and listen to it and let me know what you think. Will do. Cheers, Wing. Have a good evening. And you, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Mate. Bye. Thanks. Bye. 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 All right. Well, that was a great podcast episode to record. Um, the setbacks that George has faced and challenged in his life is not easy for anyone to deal with. So, massive well done to George on that. As he said, you know and I am a strong believer of this, you will eventually develop a more positive, happier, and more peaceful mindset by going through and dealing with difficult times in your life. You know, if you decide to, i.e., if you decide to like, kind of face it head on and not allow yourself to essentially get comfortable in the negativity that you're feeling, then you will be grateful that you went through those horrible, difficult times in your life. He actually said a lot of things that um, resonated with me and hopefully with yourselves, which I've listed here. Number one, compassion. The fact that having compassion for yourself and others is so important. Number two, at that specific moment in your life when you are dealing with a setback or a shock, there is absolutely nothing worse. Hence why you should really have compassion for yourself as a person. Number three, the opportunity to prove to yourself that you can face challenges. Number four, the idea of the blue sky. Again, that's a concept that me and Luke discussed. Number five, as Winston Churchill said, 
when you are going through hell, keep going. And finally, number six, when it comes to dealing with setbacks, you can do it. I'll leave it there. Um, and as George said, if George's words uh, has resonated with anyone who is listening to this episode of this podcast and might even change their lives, then a massive well done to George for, first of all, dealing with the setbacks in his life and, more importantly, being open and honest about them on this podcast. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you, hear you, or not hear you, in the next episode. <laughs>